0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popovich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money.
1: I'm Faisal Carmeli, my co-host here. Dave Pop which, how you doing, buddy?
0: I'm terrific. Faisal, how about you?
1: Well, what uh, I was uh, a little stressed after uh, yesterday's carbon tax on decision. The Supreme Court, yeah. Yep. Stressed because I don't think we fully understand the impacts.
0: Well, it's going to be. There's going to be um, second derivative impacts that 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 people don't fully understand. Correct, and right? I don't
1: think it's huge impacts where companies are going belly up. Right. But it gives me clarity to see, well, where do I want to put right. clients' money right. when it comes to these sorts of costs? How are costs going to go up for businesses? When yep. I'm speaking purely from a money management perspective, when I think about our you know people in the transitioning to or living uh, in retirement category, they're going to have a bit more costs coming, I think. And so how much is it and so forth? I'm, I'm, that's where the stress level came in uh, from Thursday yep. after, the, after the Supreme Court hearing.
0: Well, and, and time is going to tell, right? We can do some, we're going to get some analysis on this show, but uh, at least start the conversation there. But I'm not sure. The, the, the jury is still going to be out with respect to what those costs look like, inflation. For years. Wh- what it means for you and for I years. and yeah, people retiring. You bet.
1: And, and I think this might be linked. It also increases the thoughts of maybe using psychedelics. What do you think?
0: Well, listen, if you felt that uh, the cannabis decision was controversial, right, you think it's going to stop there. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that, no, it is not going to stop there. And we're going to talk a little bit it's about here. this move towards psychedelics, um, what it means, the research behind it, who's using it, where it's appropriate. We've got a lot of work to do on that area, too.
1: Yeah, and then it's springtime. Yep. And so we might as well enjoy our backyards, the landscaping. We're going to talk about how to... Landscape your home a little bit different. Spruce it. Change. It I up, love this stuff. This like is it, absolutely.
0: Yeah. This is making your your home into an oasis or whatever experience yeah. you want. And the the inside people work on the outside. I think. On mass, we all started that last year, but I think that's here to stay.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna ask him, How do I keep you away from my backyard? Because you just show up, like, you don't even ring the doorbell, you're in my backyard. Let's get so. this fixed, that's right. Yeah, how do we keep them away? Some electronics or something like that just z- zaps you, you know that kind
0: of thing. I uh, hear you. Let, let, let's talk about you're not gonna keep me away, so that's the uh, unfortunate news for you. Okay, fine. I want to talk about the. Um, um, uh, volatility again um, as, the minute that volatility starts to spike up in markets yep. people start thinking about uh, market timing okay we see it always forever in a day we've been both to doing this for a long long time it's never changed and it's never gonna change
1: here's what I think is gonna happen so far this year people are gonna look at the markets mm-hmm. mar- plural and they're gonna say hey how come we weren't more in Canada versus USA or how come we didn't get out of the United States because they ran up and gone into Canada because yep. Canada's markets, TSX, outperforming S&P 500 year-to-date as of the show. Um, that's going to be some... Co- so trying to time this market. So I, of course, because I have no life, Dave, I, I start building up some of this data. That's
0: because I'm doing all the work in your yard.
1: Yeah, well, you're just loitering. <laughs> Anyways, um, the... the uh, when investing and trying to time the market now this is the s p 500 and i looked at going back to 1930 yep decade over decade every 10-year period think about our growth bucket and how we look at it in 10-year period that's how i i put this data together um let's take the the most recent decade 2020 yep uh this decade so far the price in 2020 was about average return was 18 percent. okay if you took out the worst of S&P ten, of S&P 500. Yeah. If you took out the worst 10 days in this decade so far. Okay. You would have made 125%. So that that just avoid the worst 10 days. Right. And you you're, you're going to make way more money. Right. If you avoided the best 10 days, mm-hmm. you would have lost 33%.
0: So you'd have taken it from a positive 18 to a minus 33
1: just by missing the best 10 days. Okay. Now the question is, what are the best 10 days? Right. No one knows. Right. So having a strategy long, uh, that doesn't involve trying to time in the market. And during the uh, recent election in the United States, we're gonna wait to the election results and then we're gonna invest. There's always a reason not to invest and yep. some reason why you think you should be going in at that point in time. Right. When you have structure and discipline, yep. you're able to adjust based upon volatility, market conditions, economics, and geographical location. And so these are examples, and again, if you missed the, the best decade, in 1990s were the best decades, you would have made 316% had you just invested through that. Just stayed in. If you stayed in. Stayed there. invested. If you missed the best 10 days, you would have got half the results.
0: In a decade.
1: In a decade. You lost half that return, right? Just by trying to time the market, you missed the best ten days out of the ten years. Yep, that's crazy, right? And that requires structure and discipline. That's right. why I wanted to bring this piece up, uh, 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 did this data, because I think people are going to start to time the market again, um, and it's going to get it's going to get scary before it gets better.
0: Yeah. Now you said something interesting. So that's that's just on the S and P five hundred missing days, but you talked about the underweight and overweight positions as well, right? So twenty uh, twenty twenty, S and P eighteen percent. TSX flat yeah right so it it, it speaks to not just the, the biggest timing decisions in conversations that we have with people who's got to go to cash right now right yeah the market well which market you're not in and if you're not just invested in one market that's a problem statement right off the bat right yeah. but then there's this notion of underweighting and overweight moving around right and risk mitigation controlling risk so you can you can still have some impact on that but should you be making big bets? So even if you stayed in the market, do I should I be 100% S&P? And then sell the S&P 100% TSX. Sell that 100%.
1: And, even, and most, most Canadians know they don't have 100% of their money in one index. Okay, oh, wow. They do. They do. When they look at everything, well, why did we stay in that? So you have the S&P 500. It's not going uh, well according to plan versus the T. We should have just taken that chunk and moved it. Like they're looking in in hindsight and they're saying we should have done this to maximize return. But you need to have that foresight in order to do it. Right. So what's the foresight? The only foresight we have is structure and discipline.
0: Right. It's exactly right. And um, uh, so number one, you've got to stay invested. But but let's talk about structure for a minute because how do you stay invested when you're terrified? Right. So what we think, uh, what we believe in... Uh, particularly as somebody's transitioning to a living in retirement is you don't have all your eggs in one basket because you have different goals yeah you have to own different things for different outcomes right so income is not invested in the stock market
1: yeah don't do that
0: right we don't believe you
1: need cash flow from your your savings right putting in the stock market leaves you to absorb an amount of risk right so you can avoid that risk by just doing this the second part of it is growth, making sure that you can have some time right. to, to grow. And that's why I used every decade that's right. in the data. So that's important. And these are the kind of things that we're going to talk about uh, when it comes to how to separate your assets, called asset dedication. Yep. How to bulletproof that retirement so you can have the cash flow you got it. for the rest of your life. How to mitigate on tax. We're going to cover all that on Tuesday, April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register for this. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: Are you ready for the legalization of psychedelic drugs? Stick around after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. So, Faisal, we're all aware of what happened, has happened over the past several years in the cannabis space. Correct. Okay. Um, Well, there's plenty of uh, research going on beyond just cannabis.
1: Correct. And I think we're... Alberta has been one of the first jurisdictions that have actually tested outside of just cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this province, we have heard and seen of patients um, using psychedelics right. as an opportunity to help them with their, their medical needs. And so it's, it's, I think, a trend that's going to continue. Cannabis kind of thing opened up the market, That's right. Uh, opened up eyes for many individuals. Medical marijuana has opened up eyes for many individuals and health professionals. And so now here comes the, the next generation of opportunity, I think, um, when it comes to how people are going to be using different types of of. of uh, these sorts of of narcotics to help them with.
0: well and certainly there's a there's going to be an open mindedness to this isn't there it's we're going to look at this uh differently i think uh if we can bring research to bear right this is a trend that is likely in place uh for some time to come and nobody better to help us maybe understand the direction and what's happening in this space right now matt stang is joining us founder and ceo of del um corp uh Matt, welcome to the show. Um, I would like you to give us maybe uh, to start this segment a little bit of background of how outside of the cannabis sector, okay, the the research, the openness, uh, and what's happening with other kinds of uh, other kinds of drugs for medical purposes. Yeah, sure. Thank you
2: guys for having me on. <clears throat> um, you know the the structural changes that are coming, that have already come around these uh, psychedelic substances. Are incredible, and it's really um, if you look at the science, right? I think you're you're looking at something that is world changing. Uh, You know, MDMA has been granted uh, breakthrough therapy by the FDA. Um, Psilocybin has been granted breakthrough therapy. These are these are 10x returns. So you're looking at the differential between uh, a psychiatric current pharmaceutical and (coughs) psychedelic pharmaceuticals. Um, you have efficacy rates around five or six percent for the current um, antidepressants, SSRIs, that kind of product. Uh, with a with a psychedelic, you're getting closer to seventy percent efficacy. So people who are who wow. are uh, considered to be treatment resistant depression, people who have PTSD, um, people who are you know on the way to killing themselves, um, are able to find. A new life and a new purpose through these substances, and it's really, it's it's kind of incredible. And it's why my wife and I founded uh, Delic two and a half years ago as the first psychedelic wellness
1: corporation, because we believe very strongly that this is the next wave. Matt, what is what is it about the psychedelic drug that actually gives those types of uh, uh, results versus what big pharma has done with uh, with their medications and so forth. What's really happening there, and what kind of what kind of drugs are we talking about when we say psychedelic drugs? It's a great
2: question. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously not a doctor, um, so I don't want to claim that I know everything. Uh, and and even the doctors still don't quite understand why, right? So there's there's a what's happening and why. The what's happening is that uh, people are taking these uh, psychedelics, and and what what are they? Um, MDMA and psilocybin are the two that are the furthest along to a uh, FDA approval. Um, ketamine is already existent. Uh, there are ketamine clinics around the country. We, in fact, own a couple of them. Um, and there are there are these modalities through which people are, are taking these psychedelic substances and they're, for lack of a better term, resetting their brains. So they're they're going into um, a psychedelic experience, and and this is what we do know from the science: the the brain um, goes through its default mode network on most times. So if you're if you're like, oh, I forgot to turn off the oven, if you look both ways before you cross the street, that's your default mode network protecting you. Now the problem with the default mode network is sometimes it can be um, very painful to people who have. Uh, PTSD, who have depression, who have OCD, who have uh, all of these neuroses, they get stuck in their default mode network. And now, what is what do these psychedelics do? They they allow your entire Sorry, brain I'm to work. Sorry, my Siri decided to talk. Then they're they're allowing <laughs> your brain to do that full spectrum work you're able to get access to the entirety of your brain not just the small default mode superhighway that that activates at the center and keeps you alive and working um, and in your ego and what does that do It, it gets you to this place of connectivity with yourself it gets you to a place of feeling um a a sense of connection to the world and it gets you to a place of of not being stuck in your neuroses, which is, it sounds simple, but it there's literally nothing else that we've found scientifically that does this. So it, it's incredibly powerful. So you have, I had a, a woman who runs um, one of the Veterans Administration hospitals uh, in the Northeast tell me, you know, she's working with these, it's all, all vets, uh, she's working with these vets and they're having... Somewhere between four and five percent efficacy year over year using their current mix of uh, drugs and psychiatry. So that means that at the end of each year, four to five percent of her patients are clinically improved, meaning that they're any sort of way better. Now she she was working with the folks at MAPS. Their trial for MDMA had seventy one percent efficacy after the same amount of time. So that means that that is a 15 14x somewhere in that range of efficacy that's amazing because these are people who are destroying their lives hurting themselves hurting their families um unable to work you know it, it's it's a massive shift and it is uh, an improvement that people would give their lives for so when you see that it that's the reason and the rationale that these things have been so uh just explosively accepted in the last couple of years because the science is so incredible, right? So that's you have you have trial after trial. There's one that's uh, coming out in in um, Imperial College between antidepressants and mushrooms, and mushrooms you know, psilocybin in this case have have an efficacy rate that's that's like 8x a classic antidepressant. So it's it's just it's incredible, right? It, it sounds magical, but it's just the fact is that these these substances really help people who, who are trapped inside of their brain. And that's what a lot of the classical depression, PTSD, anxiety, other neuro, neurotic disorders come from being stuck inside of your brain. And these unlock your brain and allow you to feel connected outside of yourself
1: matt this says there's been a lot of commentary some research on the over 50 crowd and this has a big impact so then you talked about veterans war veterans and so forth and it's not just ones that are under 50 it's those who've had ptsd for long periods of time have depression for long periods of time and they've been going through decades and decades of this side of stuff and and now we're starting to see some research we have less than a I'd say less than a minute to kind of answer this question for me. Are we seeing some great results coming out of that crowd now, uh, that age group? Because that's a that's a that's a growing population within both U.S. and Canada. Is this a, is this going to be the breakthrough that we that those individuals need given their demographic? I think
2: the answer is un- unqualifiedly yes. There is there is no doubt that um, you know that 50 plus boomer. End of Boomer generation that's aging into um, uh, that age group are are being incredibly sort of like the cancer and mushroom study was you know it's what led Johns Hopkins to fund a twenty million dollar psychedelic research center of excellence right there was the the end of life care stuff where you you have someone going through the horribly traumatic incidents of cancer and not able to to kind of deal with what might come and they've been given mushrooms psilocybin and have a completely different outlook on life and end of life like transition to the next life or whatever it is that you believe in and it's really incredible um, people who are stuck and had PTSD for 30 40 years from uh, you know the Vietnam war are now having the ability to get outside of their their PTSD and trauma it's it's incredible so I would say the science is there, the science is super ongoing. Um, some of the biggest schools uh, with the best reputations have started centers of excellence for, for psychedelic uh, studies. You have uh, NYU Hopkins, Imperial College of London. People are doing such incredible work. You know, we, we, uh, we at Delic have a lab up in, in uh, Vancouver that's, that's got a license from Health Canada to do research on psilocybin because it's so incredibly breakthrough. So I think that's what's next. There you go.
0: Matt, thank you very much for joining us. That was enlightening. Uh, we'll keep in touch. This is clearly not something that's going away. Um, and so I think we need to continue to educate ourselves on the options. Appreciate your thank time. Thank you guys
2: today. so much. Have a great day.
0: You too. We've been joined by Matt Stang, founder and CEO of Delic uh, Corp. Um, you know, change is the constant. Uh, you know, we, we can talk about this uh, healthcare bucket, um, the markets, whatever it is. But change is constant, Right. And what we've got is we've got to talk to people about how to get through, like how to live a, a lifestyle and a dream and adapt to change no matter what that's going to be.
1: Yeah, and that's, that change comes with a cost usually. <clears throat> These types of, uh, of ideas and medication are out-of-pocket expenses. Right. How do you cover all that? How do you make sure that you, you know, secure your retirement but still pay for those health care costs in the future? And we're going to discuss that on Tuesday, April twenty, seven p.m., live online. Now, you need to register to join this webinar So go to our website at morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: Did the Supreme Court's uh, recent ruling that the federal government's carbon tax, uh, that it is constitutional, does that blow up Alberta? Let's talk about that after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, we had a recent Supreme Court ruling uh, about uh, with the constitutionality of the federal government um, imposing a carbon tax. And a
1: lot of people are not happy with that, where there's federal jurisdiction over provincial jurisdiction. Right. The Supreme Court has spoken. But what's the real impact? We, we have no idea. Yeah, that's right. That's, We've got to
0: understand that. Dan McTagg, who is a president um, of Canadians for Affordable Energy, is joining us on the show today to help us shed some light on that. Dan, welcome to the show.
3: Oh, good to be here, David. Thank
0: you for having me, Basil. So let's talk just a little bit about, uh, first of all, uh, Canadians for Affordable Energy. Maybe you can just tell us a bit about the organization. And then I want to dig into a little bit about the impact of the uh, the Supreme Court decision.
3: Organization has been around for a little while, but focused very much on uh, policies that uh, affect uh, bottom line uh, pocketbook issues for Canadians, especially as they relate to energy uh, field that I've been very interested in for the past quarter century or so. Uh, both in my time as a member of parliament uh, and subsequent years uh, working for organizations uh, trying to provide people a bit of a heads up and uh, a little bit of a break when it comes to energy prices so this sort of uh, fits hand in glove with that and to continue to monitor uh, as uh, governments appear to create uh, and to find ever more creative ways uh, in order to uh, change uh, both the dynamic of uh, the importance of energy as well as its impact on consumers.
0: So. Dan, maybe talk to us a little bit about the Supreme Court decision uh, about the constitutionality of a carbon tax. But in particular, I'm interested in in uh, the impact on Alberta uh, in particular, although there were other provinces that took issue with this. But maybe tell us a little bit about your take on on what the impact is going to be here.
3: Well, this really comes from the federal government's uh, signing of the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, which uh, Prime Minister Trudeau uh, went towards almost one of the first uh orders of government when he took over in 2015-2016 and of course uh, uh, its goal to reduce emissions carbon emissions in canada and uh, the desire by the government to ensure that uh, provinces uh, complied several provinces have uh, and had already started their own program uh, to do this Uh, quebec most notably in 2007 and 2008 british Columbia, but other than that uh, there had been uh, Significant reluctance. Uh, I happen to be a member of parliament in 2008 when we had a federal election, and my party, under Stephen Dion, uh, proposed the idea of a uh, of a carbon tax uh, under the term uh, Green Shift. Uh, we saw the results of that, and were uh, trounced at the polls. Uh, the in the subsequent election. Uh, since then, there has been a pushback, I think, from consumers in terms of what the impacts this will be. While well, at the same time. Uh, many uh, argue that uh, the idea of a carbon tax is very efficient. It's a great way to send a signal to get people to reduce uh, their so-called carbon emissions and the everyday things that they do. The provinces like Ontario, Alberta, Saskatchewan, um, recently, uh, say recent in the past few years, opposed this for obvious reasons. Uh, previous carbon tax initiatives, especially in my province of Ontario uh, and British and, and to a lesser extent, Alberta have been done without public or popular consent. In other words, there was no specific mention of these carbon taxes in provincial elections. When there was, um, the result was very different. In my province, Doug Ford came to power on a pledge to cut back carbon taxes, Uh, same for uh, Mr. Kenny and uh, the province of of Alberta. So the ultimate uh, idea behind these carbon taxes, of course, uh, and the opposition to it really stems from uh, a public that is really at, uh, uh, I guess, uh, somewhat conflicted uh, the public doesn't want to pay more money despite rebates and uh, yet they want to have a cleaner, so-called lesser and fewer emissions. So in there was born, of course, the uh, uh, the request to, through lower governments, uh, through lower courts to which ultimately wound up in the Supreme Court decision that we saw just yesterday um, in which the, uh, uh, the court used uh, a rather interesting uh, part, a, pr- a particular weapon very rarely given to the federal government in only extreme circumstances uh, whether you would use peace order and good government or what they call residual powers in order to uphold the federal government's climate uh, Paris climate agreement. Now, it sounds very complex, but that's how we got here. And of course, it now means that uh, uh, prices are start, going to start to rise for energy costs as uh, the federal government has the power now to overrule any provincial uh, carbon taxes that it doesn't see uh, or where there is no carbon taxes that it uh, does not see fit uh, in, uh, uh, in allowing.
1: So Dan, let's, you talked about costs are going up. Let's, let's kind of spend some time on that. Um, where do you see the costs going up? And we understand that it's right now it's about 4 cents, 4.4 4 cents a liter on, on the carbon uh, tax right now, uh, going to be moving up because of, because of the change in the carbon price. Um, so we understand that it's going to hit the pumps. What else is really going to happen? Because we keep on hearing that there's an offset mm. That some lower income individuals, or most of the people won't have to pay out of pocket. There's some sort of credit and so forth, but let's talk about the cost upfront. Who's going to be impacted uh, right out the get go. And then what's the, what's the consumer going to see at the end of the day? There's several
3: carbon taxes across the country. Two or three provinces have a, uh, a carbon, uh, trade, uh, process by which they, uh, they have their own system in place, Nova Scotia, uh, Quebec, Uh, Having used uh, that particular uh, method some time ago, British Columbia has its own carbon tax, uh, which stands about 8.89 cents a litre. Right now, currently, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Manitoba being a bit of an exception, I have to go back and look at my numbers on that because they've changed a little bit of their own. Uh, But the the three provinces at least are going to find themselves, including New Brunswick, in a situation where they go from 6.63 cents a litre to 8.84 cents a litre Uh, effective uh, April Fool's Day uh, next Wednesday. Um, That's only one aspect of it. Of course, it affects every form of uh, hydrocarbon. So natural gas propane will all see significant increases uh, of about a third from what you're paying currently in terms of the carbon tax share. Um, And while the government claims that the the rebate that they will give back uh, tax time, uh, which is in about a month or so, will cover that cost. The reality is somewhat different. We see that uh, latest reports indicate the federal government has shortchanged Canadians by about $200 million. Of course, we know that the GST in uh, provinces like uh, Alberta and uh, Saskatchewan and the HST in provinces like mine here in Ontario are not rebated, nor are the uh, significant costs if you happen to use more fuel because it's a colder winter, or for that matter, the secondary costs. And here I'm referring, of course, to the cost of uh, raising, uh, for instance, diesel, uh, which might uh, impact the price and does impact the price of things like groceries and the production of agricultural products and other things that uh, make their way through the economy and which are not considered part and parcel of the direct impact of carbon taxes that you pay. So all in all, yes, some people will do okay, but the vast majority in my analysis, and certainly uh, in the first year of empirical information demonstrates that uh, the government's claim Uh, that it does rebate everything uh, falls well short. Uh, A a simple scenario would be probably closer to 60 to 65% directly and of course on the secondary impacts like food zero. So uh, ultimately uh, the BC example is a little different they don't rebate carbon except for those making under the carbon tax except for those making under a certain uh, minimal threshold. In other provinces there is no rebate Quebec and uh, where they have of course the carbon credit the cap and trade system uh, does not rebate, it's simply paid for uh, by consumers uh, as you go.
1: So, so Dan, does, is there proof or evidence out there that increasing a carbon tax or having one actually helps the, the reduction of the demand for those types of, of, of carbon emissions? That, that's, so we're only dealing with one side of the equation, is the demand side, by using a tax. The supply side, meaning going direct to these industries and targeting them specifically uh, for high emission indu- industries, is a second option that I, I don't I don't have clarity on if that's being uh, utilized by the federal government. And then there's the, the 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 neutralization of carbon emission by planting more trees, as an example, as to to neutralize so that the average taxpayer, the individual, doesn't have to see the impact we're hitting target versus going blanket to everybody what are your thoughts about from the proof perspective from targeting industries and then can we do something else like plant more trees and I'm, I'm being I'm, yeah I'm, I'm not educated enough to tell you that no, no. The right answer but but that's the question that I have in regards to what what can we do to offset those emissions yeah. that are already happening I I
3: think the it's a it's a very good question I think the evidence is still to be to be gathered uh, in the case of British Columbia as we know full well uh 13 years into the experiment emissions have actually risen not fallen so from both a consumer perspective and from an industrial perspective there may have been disruptions there may have been closures of cement factories as there was in the case of vancouver but uh, clearly that hasn't stemmed uh the overwhelming increase that we've seen generally in that province Uh, as it relates to uh the implications for uh offsets uh, as well as uh, other alternatives I think we have to consider uh, what the reality of Canada is Um, I was a member of parliament of riding that had uh, North America's first commercially viable nuclear plants Uh, I happen to live in a province that uh, shifted away from coal to natural gas before 2005 that number is important because 2005 is the number in which we have to Uh, Rely not only to achieve that lofty net zero 2050, but to achieve our our commitments to Paris, the Paris climate agreement uh, in 2030, we have to drop uh, our emissions by 30% below before in in the next nine years that's hard to do when you've already made those conversions long before it was trendy and certainly you've saddled yourself to having to find even greater technologies, many of which don't exist in order to make up uh, the. Uh, the so-called, uh, uh, you know, emissions reduction necessary to meet those goals. Planting trees, wonderful idea, by the way. More carbon in the air, trees grow better. So does a lot of other things, vegetation. But I think the what has been overlooked here is the totality of uh, the great things that have been achieved well before it was uh, vogue, well, well before it was trendy, uh, and uh, that we are now saddling ourselves, which with something that may be scientifically impossible at this time. Take into account as well, Faisal, that, you know, if you look at, uh, I come from the automotive industry, my company, Toyota Canada, uh, produced vehicles well before, uh, you know, hybrid ideas uh, leading on hydrogen. Um, companies like that have already managed to, for a whole variety of regulatory reasons, mostly from the United States, achieve lower emissions without having to superimpose a punitive tax either on industry, uh, where there is some some things called uh, output-based uh, uh, OBPS uh, pricing uh, systems, uh, which are, while they do allow companies to uh, to continue to increase emissions, they also charge them and have to buy credits from a market. That market, as we're seeing, is extremely expensive. Uh, British Columbia being a good example. If I'm a company and I have to do business, and uh, you know, bearing in mind that I'm competing against foreign entities that don't ha- are not subject to the same kind of uh, taxation or carbon uh, re- re- uh, regulations. I may very well find myself in a situation where I'm having to buy credits as we're seeing British Columbia on fuels, for instance, which are $380 uh, per credit. That works out to 12 cents a liter. So those examples are, you know, uh, we're not quite through the story yet. We haven't even started and we know that the, importantly, the federal liberal government didn't just stop at $50 a tonne, they broke an election promise and said, we're not going to $170 a tonne. And if that weren't enough, we're not going to impose a clean fuel standard. Uh, no country in the world is doing this. No economist that works with uh, uh, with uh, with uh, carbon pricing would ever accept a, sec- a layering of regulation on top of a of a carbon yeah. tax. Uh, Dan, unfortunately,
1: pricing. we ha- we have to go to we got to go to break now. And, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and I would love to have you on again so yeah. we can. This story isn't yeah. over, so no. we're gonna we're gonna and there's lots more questions. You talk bet. about this and give you some more time to really get that point across. We thank you for joining us today.
3: Pleasure being here. Thanks for having me, gentlemen.
0: Okay, we've been joined by uh, Dan McTeague, who's a President of Canadians for Affordable Energy, my friend. We've got a seminar coming up because we're going to have to make lifestyle affordable and make sure that the you know people can live the, li- the, the dreams that they want, even in a rising cost environment.
1: That's right. April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register to bulletproof your retirement. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's more than money, radio.com to register.
0: You're looking at doing some landscaping this uh, this spring, just like last. Stick around after the break. We're going to tell you about some great ideas and what could add value to your home. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. Um, if last year's spring was any indication of what's going to happen, people are going to be Outside, working on their uh, on their properties, landscaping, trying to make it look beautiful. I was that guy last year. I'm telling you, you it were, was I was crazy. Were.
1: It was the quietest uh, spring I <laughs> had because you were away, <laughs> doing all that work on your lawn. But I think landscaping. It's not just what flowers do I put up. We're talking like redo landscaping right. here. People are looking for change. They're seeing that they're going to be in their homes a lot longer. Uh, let's let's uh, let's change it up, and so. Uh, you know, we need to, we need to get the, uh, give them some tips, give them some ideas. Yeah. Let's have some fun about landscaping. Let's do it. The spring.
0: And since we're not experts on it, not even although I think I'm a budding expert after my efforts last year, You're but it's right. questioning. Yeah. Carolyn Brown's joining us, owner and principal horticulturalist, the Schnook uh, gardener. So, Carolyn, welcome to the show. First of all, thanks for taking some time with us. So, number one, do we expect to see the same kind of uh, activity in the, in the yard that we did last year?
4: Absolutely, uh, even more when uh, when we had the lockdown with COVID last year. It was scary for everybody, um, definitely small businesses and every single citizen basically in the world. So um, when we sent out our newsletters uh, to say we were still up and going, we had a tremendous response, and so we had a very good year last year, and um, it's going to be a bumper crop this year. I think, with um, everybody who's been staying at home and needs an outdoor oasis to retreat
1: to. So Caroline, let's talk about the trend that's happening this year versus previous years. What do you see as the as, as more and more of these individuals are gonna to start to uh, develop, change, redo their landscaping? What are some of the trends that people need to be aware of?
4: Well, with the, with the aging population, with the baby boomers, of course, we're seeing people who wanna be staying in their homes longer and, um that goes with beautifying the spaces but also um, you know who's going to maintain the the snow and the lawn and their their gutters and their their homes so there's the aging population Um, we're finding a lot of people have dogs so we're creating dog friendly surfaces Um, one of them is um, micro micro clover um, which can be planted it, it uh, is h- helpful to uh, reduce the, the brown spots. It's not turf, it's, it's clover uh, and regular clover. People are planting their lawns with regular clover to attract the bees actually in pollination. We're seeing a huge trend in vegetable growing. Uh, we are selling a product called Elevated Harvest. So a few series of raised self-watering planters that we deliver and put soil in for you and plant for you. Uh, we're growing um pre-grown vegetables so you don't have to plant them by seed because you never know when they're gonna (laughs) come in calgary uh definitely seeing um child-friendly gardens playscapes uh bringing the playground to the backyard uh comfort um using designers to help you with your outdoor furniture fireplaces hot tubs kitchens so basically a gathering spot for people and birds and dogs and the birds and the bees everyone's me together. David,
1: sounds like it's like an escape from your own home even though it's in your own home. Given the the pandemic and everything that's going on there, people want to get away but they can't really get away so they kind of just modify their backyard to be like an oasis for them and kind of walk away from, from what's inside the house.
0: Well, I think you know, you're know you to something and, and I when, when we built our house uh, Maddie and I talked a lot about what that experience was going to be and, you know, do we want um, a smaller home in Calgary and then try to find a lake property or something like that? And I got to tell you, my position was, this is pre-pandemic. No, no, I want this to be my oasis. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I want to walk out my door or stay in my house to have the experience I want to have. And part of that was, of course, the landscaping, yeah. right? Um, and so I was never that guy, uh, you know, out taking care of um, uh, the lawn and doing all those things. But I found again, this wasn't a pandemic issue, that that was the experience I wanted to have. And so I created that environment, part of which was was the outdoor. So my question, Carolyn, is, is my experience, so this was not a pandemic experience for me. This was before that. The pandemic response you're seeing, do you think that's a trend that stays in place now and that people are now viewing their homes as something other than what they did uh, pre-pandemic?
4: Absolutely, absolutely. We... The whole world has changed and um, a lot of people have been nimble um, to, to change their business practices, but they're also um, relaxing into, like you said, their their own homes inside and out. Um, we're looking, uh, people are changing so many aspects of the, their, their homes and their gardens, um, you know, steps and retaining walls uh, to create some privacy because they're outside more. They're they're building pergolas with uh, curtains and lights. Um, There's ponds and patios uh, going on for those nice spaces. We're seeing a lot more uh, people who are asking for trees to be planted. Uh, We have professional tree planters that come in and come out um, with low pressure on your yards. We use cranes to plant trees as well and um, put boulders in and do, low pressure landscaping, uh, as well as full landscaping. So uh, they're ready to do it all at once or um, phasing, um, according to what our designers um, can tell them about uh, um, how they can budget, and how they can budget to get the space going. Um, And right now people are are contacting us to plan their garden spaces. So consultations are a great idea, Uh, one, one and a half hours, depending on what you need. Sometimes there's a, typically there's a sketch and then uh, you can proceed to a full design um, if you wish. So garden planning right now, uh, today's a snowy day in Calgary the end of March as usual. Uh, the perfect time to start planning your garden.
1: Well, you talked about budgets, Caroline. Let's talk about if you want to do a change in your in your backyard so it looks different, not mm-hmm. just add a few plants, we're talking like a change. What kind of budgeting should, should uh, a typical family or household expect for their band? I know it can go up to whatever, sky's the limit when it comes to your backyard, but but what what's a, a, a number that people can kind of say, that's a starting point. If it's less than that, you won't you won't really get a, uh, the biggest bang for your buck.
4: Definitely start with a consultation. We have junior designers that will come out. We have senior um, or, or myself, but um, we, I would say, get a professional out to just help you pay a little bit of money um, just to get some kind of structure for what you want to do Um, we see a lot of bed renovations or small renovations Um, i would say a a family could spend to do something nicely anywhere from two to five thousand dollars will give you uh, a nice little refresh in some key areas that you're looking at or you continue to look at and do not like looking at when you drive up to your house every day
0: yeah there you go yeah, and like you said, it, it, this guy, this guy can be the limit. I, I, think Carolyn's giving some good advice. So it's we spend a lot of time um, thinking about design on a home or your interior design and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened now is there's just been an increased focus on that whole experience, right? What, what your property brings to you from the minute you drive up to it, right, to the the moment you step out the back door and. You know what your lifestyle is is that's it right. entertaining or you know what is it
1: right yeah, that purpose of what you want from that's your right. home can happen inside and outside your. that's home. right yeah, that's great carolyn i want to thank you for joining us today it's been some great uh great information how do people get in touch with you
4: uh you can uh email to care at chinookgardener.com or call our office at 403-253-8650 and we'll be happy to uh point you in the right direction for your needs
0: We've been joined by Carolyn Brown, owner and principal horticulturalist at the Chinook Gardener. Um, lifestyle, I mean, this is one piece of the overall lifestyle, right?
1: If there's anything that we've learned through the years that we've helped individuals transition to and live in retirement, is that they do change their backyards, their front yards, at least every five to seven years. Right. They kind of want it to be a little bit different. So you got a budget for that and you got expenses and We call that the income bucket, and how do you make sure you have your lifestyle intact with all these different changes. We're going to talk about how to protect your income and bulletproof your retirement on Tuesday, April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Now you need to register for this, so you can register at MoreThanMoneyRadio.com. That's MoreThanMoneyRadio.com.
0: Well, thanks for tuning in for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. Faisal and I look forward to chatting with you next week. Have a great weekend.